This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 666 with Penny Decree. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 666. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Born and raised in Detroit, Penny Decree began her career in construction management working on many of the commercial projects that dots the city's downtown skyline. After deciding to start a family and giving birth to two boys, Penny wanted to make sure her sons saw themselves and were affirmed early on in the literature that they read. She knew championing them and teaching them how to empower themselves at an early age would fortify their foundation as they grew older and faced new challenges as black males growing up in America, preparing them early for societal forces that would work against them as a priority in her parenting strategy. Penny began reciting morning affirmations with her two sons, who were toddler-aged at the time. Penny then decided to transform their affirmations into a book for them and others. Witnessing the power of affirmations in her own life and their little beginnings is what fueled the journey of writing and sharing her debut book, I Am Enough, with others. Founding Decreed Publishing, along with her two sons, was the next step to continue the impact on Black youth. Together, they create empowering children's books and products to help parents ground their children in truth and take control of their destiny. Listen in to hear Penny share how she started to incorporate affirmations with her very young sons to help with anything from potty training to being young black boys, how to use fluid and flexible affirmations with your kids as they grow and evolve, how she is using affirmations with black boys so they can own their truth and their worth in a society that puts a target on their back. The importance of diversity in children's literature for black kids and white kids. The reality of, quote, both Americas for black people. The difference in reality between my white son and Penny's black sons playing with police cars at a young age. And the dignity afforded white children versus black children in our current culture. There's a lot in this episode. We dig in. It's heavy. It's juicy. But Penny does it all with such grace. I'm so excited for her to be here. I'm so honored that she's here to share. I think that the work she's doing is beautiful and really, really important. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming Penny Decree to the Shameless Mom Academy. Penny, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I told you we have to tell people from the jump here that you're a shameless mom of a three-year-old and a six-year-old, as you shared with me. And also you're, go ahead and tell people how pregnant you are. 35 weeks. 35 <laughs> weeks pregnant. 
And yes. kudos to you for doing a podcast interview when you're 35 weeks pregnant, <laughs> because you're in that phase where you just want to not be pregnant, but you still yes. have a, those last few weeks can feel a little long. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. So many emotions, so much physical uncomfortability, but mm-hmm. you know, just keeping, keeping on pressing on. That's what us moms do. And you're chasing a three-year-old and a six-year-old at the same time. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> but you know what? My six-year-old, I call him, he's the project manager. Oh. I said, I say, so, you know, you're in charge now, you know, nice. he, takes, he takes heed to that title. So I don't really have to worry about, you know, my three-year-old going into the cabinets, pouring out mm-hmm. things right now, or, you know, mm-hmm. because I have a project manager that's in charge. I love it. So I'm an oldest and I would have loved for my mom to have given me that title because I would have really owned like Sarah's in charge. I'm the boss of everyone. You need mm-hmm. to follow my rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would have loved that. <laughs> I have to do mind games on them. See, yeah, Yeah. that really works. Like you're the project manager. Yep. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. So tell us a little bit, which you've already started to a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. And maybe it's just about not being pregnant, but but is there anything, anything else going on you want to share or anything else you're excited about? Oh my goodness. Yes. You know, being a mom and an entrepreneur um, right now, I've I had to adjust myself once having kids. So mm-hmm. I came from the construction world, construction management, but right now, especially the way things are going in the pandemic, I had to have flexibility and I can't, I just had to adjust myself. So I decided to just launch into entrepreneurship. Don't give up on my professional career, but just rebrand it a little bit. And so I'm creating books and empowering products for kids at the moment. So the my professional and personal life, it kind of coexists perfectly at times. <laughs> and it also collides at times. Yeah, um, I bet. You know, I'm grateful. I'm also a homeschooling mom. So oh I'm grateful for the flexibility of entrepreneurship as mm-hmm. well as homeschool. Actually, I like to call it on-the-go schooling because... We learn everywhere. (laughs) We don't just sit at home. We learn everywhere. That's how our schooling is. But, you know, I just, I get to adjust our everyday schedules really accordingly. So that's beautiful with the flexibility that both provide. Yeah. Love that. Mm -hmm. You are one of millions of moms who in the pandemic have made shifts and changed things to be able to meet the needs of your family, to be able to evolve and adapt um, in ways that you didn't see coming, but also now it sounds like in ways that ultimately have been beneficial to you and your family. Definitely. And, you know, it's just a sacrifice that I had to come to terms with. And it's also perspective. You know, I can look at it as a complete sacrifice or I can look at it as just an adjustment. Mm -hmm. So I prefer the adjustment angle and that's how I did. So, you know, (laughs) what it comes down to at this point of me still pursuing what I want to pursue is either staying up late or (laughs) waking up extra early while the kids are still asleep so Mm -hmm. I can get things done. (laughs) And, you know, also I had to get creative with our daily schedules I had to incorporate a time for me in the schedules. Both children have stopped taking naps. So the quiet time freedom oh. is gone. <laughs> that was so my condolences. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, by me homeschooling, it's like, okay, you know, I need some type of space in the day. So I had to get creative and I kept, I still, we still have quiet time, my six-year-old and three-year-old. And we, I actually had the mind play them. So I call it in my zone time. Love <laughs> it. Everyone's zone in I love, I love all of your little workarounds to make the kids feel like they're like all grown up. <laughs> yeah. Project managers you know. with their in the zone time. Yes. You know, it actually works, you know, and I have like a whole little, I have sheet with options for them. They can play music with headphones or actually my oldest, I book a lot of his coding classes or music classes. 
things that interest him so he can be occupied. My youngest has quiet bins already pre-made and activities or challenges. And then I get to do me. I get to do my business or whatever it is I need to do. We all have our zoning in time. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> so love that's it. kind of like one of the ways I had to get creative with homeschooling and you know, still being able to do the entrepreneur thing mm-hmm. <laughs> during a pandemic or are we still in the pit? Is this pre-pandemic? <laughs> I know. We talk about it like it's gone, which is <laughs> so not gone. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I we're, even... we're recording this in April and it won't go live for a couple months. So maybe it'll be different by then, but I don't know. I suspect it will be, <laughs> I suspect it'll kind of be the same. Like exactly. it'll still be here, but we'll be pretending that it's not. <laughs> Right. It's still a weird time frame of not being completely done with yeah. <laughs> the aftermath. So yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like it's just create it's just constantly thinking of ways where, hey, mommy has to have her time in. So we we need to think of something. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would love to talk about identity a bit. I love you have this identity as a school on the go mom. Um, and now as an entrepreneur. And so you've already identified these different parts of yourself, these different pieces that make up who you are. I would love to talk about your shift into motherhood and how motherhood shifted your identity. Cause I know that that also aligns with the work that you do. And then with your book, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. Completely. When I had my first son, well, before he was born, I was completely overwhelmed. <laughs> but then the way I approached it is I just immersed myself around experienced moms, whether it was through articles, through blogs, through videos, phone calls, joining groups. I just, me, I'm a researcher. So I felt more at ease just immersing myself with tips, tricks. (laughs) And that was at every stage. So once my son was born, you know, you go through all these different phases, the no sleep, zombie life, Mm -hmm. (laughs) newborn phase. So I had, you know, I was researching tips on that. And then you go through the, well, me, I did nursing. So I had to have tips on that, you know, Mm -hmm. so I just kept trying to, how is my life? Where is my life? How can I get through this? (laughs) And that's how I approach motherhood. I mean, well, still approach it because I'm at a new phase now, you know, I have a first grader. I already been through the toddler stage, but then again, each child is different. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly seeking advice from these experienced moms like now my concern is food prep because these boys here are eating (laughs) so much food like they need a personal caterer Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep (laughs) so I'm trying to figure out you know I need all the tips I can get at this point for food prep or whatever it is that I can get through this stage where they won't be hungry all the time and me in the kitchen all the time so I can get something done yeah but That's how I approached it with the research and I continue to approach it with the research because, you know, I feel more at ease just getting those tips and life-saving tips. I had some life-saving tips come through along each phase. And to me, the identity, my identity, it kind of evolves. It's not that so much that I'm not the same person anymore. I mean, it evolves me. So it's bigger, expanded. To include yeah. being responsible for two young boys mm-hmm. who are men in training mm-hmm. and, you know, all the many other hats I wear as a wife, as an entrepreneur, it's, it's going to continue to expand, especially as we go through these stages of their growth. I have no idea what having a teenager is going to feel like, <laughs> but, you know, I might be wearing another hat then. I might be... Yeah. Um, the baseball mom, I might actually be cooking for the whole team at that point. <laughs> Can we, let's talk about the book. So tell us, tell me about how motherhood, how your experience in motherhood led you to the book. I would love to hear what inspired the book. And then you can tell us a little bit about what the book is about. So you have a book called I Am Enough. Tell us about yes. that. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness. You know, giving birth to two black boys, it early on, it was, a priority of mine to affirm them because I knew that they would be faced with many societal forces against them. 
and a new champion them and teaching them how to empower themselves at an early age would, you know, fortify their foundation as they grew older and faced new challenges. Mm-hmm. So I started this journey really reciting morning affirmations with my two sons. And I decided to transform them into a book because I was looking for a book <laughs> to expand upon our affirmation sessions. But unfortunately, I didn't have success in finding a book that I felt was really given what we needed for affirming our young boys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we would incorporate in our affirmation sessions, we would incorporate the typical positive ones, but along with customized ones that we felt based on the challenges that arose in our lives. At that point, my son was starting preschool. Yeah, starting preschool. So he was still potty training. So we incorporated potty training affirmations. <laughs> Something as I simple as it. that. And I kid you not, I had struggled when we, it was about a week into those, after a week of, <laughs> it, maybe it was time, but I, I believe the affirmations had something to do with it. We, after a week into affirming, I like going to the potty. When I feel pee, I go to the potty. I'm a big boy who potties. I, I love, love potties. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be, it can be whatever the goal is that you're trying to make. But, you know, he would say things like, oh, I messed up or I missed or it's hard for me. And I said, no, 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 no. Okay. It may be hard, but we're going to, what is our goal? You are a big boy. You love going to the potty. You you know, so things like that, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> something as simple as potty training, along with, you know, I am smart. I am brave. I am confident. That also helped because he, I noticed he would invert. What do you mean by that? Because he was so used to being at home with me all those years. That was his first mm-hmm. time, both of us being away from each other and the school had cameras so we can watch our children throughout their length of being there. Mm-hmm. And he would invert into shyness mm-hmm. or <laughs> he wouldn't participate in activities that he loved to do that I knew he loved to do, yeah. like playing with the blocks and things. Mm-hmm. But then when we started to incorporate, you know, I am confident. We had our little fun affirmation sessions on our ride. Mm-hmm. I love to raise my hand. I love like things like that. I noticed that he started to shift. Oh my gosh. This and maybe is so it great. was a combination with the length of time of him being there. Mm-hmm. But I think everything works together. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So you have this sounds like really powerful and positive experience with your son. How do we see that play out in the book? So is the book is affirmations. Is that right? Yes, it is. The book, we, our two goals, really, we wanted to achieve, we wanted parents to be able to not only read through the book, but apply the principles that are in the book. So we wanted to, the main two goals was empower our young boys and have those principles applied in their lives. So, you know, one day they're going to be leaders of families, leaders of businesses. So we, when young boys finish reading through the book, the most important thing we want them to be able to take away is for them to know that they have the power within themselves to not only empower themselves, but to also discover early on how to build themselves up in their minds Mm -hmm. and use the power of speaking in life into themselves. Yeah. So, you know, it's just important. We feel for kids at an early age to become acquainted with the power of affirmations of speaking life into yourselves Mm -hmm. of themselves rather. (laughs) I have a follow-up question on that. Yeah, because I think I totally agree with everything you're saying. And also I'm conscientious of the fact that there's an added layer for young black boys to be able to speak these affirmations. Can you speak to that a little bit as you're raising black sons and what's the power and the significance of these affirmations for them that might be different than my child, who's a white boy practicing affirmations? Definitely. You know, it's just a fact that we live in different Americas. Well, mm-hmm. it's the, the experience is what is different. That's why I wanted to early on affirm my boys because they need this foundation because this is going to get them through. If they have this foundation, they're going to be facing many challenges, societal systems in place. And They need to know how to build themselves up, how to direct their own paths. You know, not even going along with the studies. There's been studies that have shown that teaching positive affirmations at a young age helps kids develop a healthy sense of self and better prepare them with tools to overcome difficult situations they may face at later stages Mm -hmm. in their lives. So. With that proof from these studies, you know, I believe that my kids knowing themselves, no matter what someone else comes against them with, mm-hmm. the truth will ride. The truth will will keep them up. The truth will let them know and what to do, how to respond, because you don't have to respond to things if it's not true. You mm-hmm. know your own truth. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the problem lies can lie when kids do not know their worth, do not know their truth. And they, you know, become victims or manipulated with the negative things that comes against them, the negative forces from society. It's just different being a mom with raising Black sons. You know, it's a heavy feeling when things happen to young Black youth with no explanation, when they haven't even done anything wrong. Especially during the pandemic, I mean, we've seen several cases come to fruition, like George Floyd. With these topics, it's like I struggle because my kids mm-hmm. are young. Yeah. But yeah. then again, my six-year-old, he's tall. He's almost taller than me. And he wears hoodies like Travis. So I have to even, with these difficult topics, I have to still find a way to bring it up to my children because it's important that I prepare them if they're out playing with, you know, friends that are not their skin color, certain things they can't do because they will yeah. be targets. Yeah, absolutely. 
I want to talk a little bit about inclusivity in literature because this is also part of your mission. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of diversity and inclusion in literature and how that connects to your book, I Am Enough? Yes. Representation, it really matters. (laughs) Yeah. Literature included. (laughs) My kids love books. So, you know, it was important to me that I build their library things that they can relate to and especially they can see themselves in. Because when, you know, these type of things, it helps cultivate who, who they define as heroes, professionals, beautiful, worthy. And when they can, when my children can see a representation of themselves in these ideals, like that is what's necessary. I don't know if you're familiar with, it was a study that it was presented on Anderson Cooper a few years ago, where children, black and white, they were presented with an array of dolls from the spectrum of white all the way to the darkest skin tone. And they were asked questions as to which doll was smart, which doll was nice, which doll was dumb, which doll was mean, etc. Positive and negative questions. And, you know, if you're not familiar with the results came back, And it showed that a majority of the kids equated the negative connotations with the darker skin dolls, both skin, both black and white children Mm. equated the negative connotations with the darker skin dolls and vice versa. So, you know, these biases exist due to what kids are exposed to. And literature is a big part of what kids are exposed to that plays a part into who they see as smart, who they see as someone who's a firefighter, yeah. who they see as someone as the villain. Mm-hmm. And it's important that we have that representation that, oh, I can be that or wow, maybe I can do that. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. yeah. And creating I am enough. We definitely wanted to have that representation and have those parts in the book where they can recite. I am confident. I am focused on my business. I listen to my mommy and daddy and they can see illustration. The illustration is what speaks. Vibrant illustration that shows themselves as being confident, Mm -hmm. as, you know, being the hero in a situation, being their own hero, affirming themselves. Yeah. That was critical. Something I want to add, I love everything you just said. And something I want to add that I think is an important layer as well is that, of course, you as a Black mom want your Black sons to see themselves represented in literature. The other thing that I think is really important for white parents is that we need to also see black children represented in positive ways in literature. So when we look at literature with children of color, we need to recognize the importance of our white kids, or in my case, my white son, seeing books with black children who are strong and powerful and full of joy and who are playing just like he does and going to the park just like he does and eating ice cream just like he does and really exemplifying similarities And so that we're not always creating this narrative around my black or my white child should not only see black children being oppressed. And this is something I learned from my good friend, Jasmine Bradshaw. She's like, your white kids need to know about black joy. (laughs) She's She's like, yeah, be a responsible parent and teach them about systemic racism and the, you know, as it's age appropriate, the really harsh realities of facing children of color in our country. And also like let yeah. your kids see a black kid eating an ice cream cone in a book. Like, exactly. And I, I think that that, I think that <laughs> especially when we look at post George Floyd's murder, I think that mm-hmm. so many parents, white parents <laughs> like me wanted to be so conscientious of making sure that their kids had a level of understanding around race and really the realities around race that there can be this need to educate your children in ways that can be disempowering to black kids and white kids when you're only pointing out that a child, a black kid wearing a hoodie in a park might be treated differently than a white kid. Yes, your white kids should know that and also be able to see the 
like you said, black kids being doctors and police officers and like whatever the the positive, powerful, influential components in society are as well. Exactly. And I think that's especially like their children, like let them be shown as true. Like this is a time Mm. where, you know, there's no responsibilities. There's no heavy burden of being an adult. Like let's present our kids with empowering things empowering truth like it's the Mm -hmm. truth like let's get past all of these things these tactics and just present truth like yeah show us eating ice cream (laughs) like yeah um show us laughing show like show a smile on the boy's face show him looking nice fresh and clean and cool you know cool outfits and you know i think an awareness that's just the biggest thing. As long as people who aren't Black or raising Black sons, if they're aware, just being aware of the realities that are in America. Because a lot, my experience is, well, from my interaction, some white moms aren't even aware that there's an issue or that Mm -hmm. there's a problem with certain things. Like that's going on. And when we are raising our sons, we are, oh, that's a tongue twister. (laughs) We are are hyper aware. Like top of mind always. Exactly. We're aware of both Americas. That's just a way of saying both experiences because Mm -hmm. it's just like we don't deny. I guess one of the sayings that we hear a lot is like someone, sometimes they'll say like, I see no color or Mm -hmm. I don't see color, but... You know, it's kind of a problem if you don't see color because you're denying that experience from that. You're not aware of both Americas. That's for sure. (laughs) Exactly. You're just completely ignoring it. Yeah. And that's going to present a whole array of issues because, you know, you're denying the history. You're denying what they need specifically and how they may be treated if they go to a certain area or neighborhood is being Mm -hmm. insensitive. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. I so appreciate you. And you've mentioned it a couple of times now, mentioning or sharing both Americas and being clear on that that's a reality and that that's a really legitimate thing with a really legitimate title. (laughs) And there's two really different experiences. And for everyone to have an awareness of that, I think is so important. And for us to constantly, you know, if you're in a primarily white community, it's going to be easy to not see exactly the other America, even though it exists. And I will say I've been guilty of this. I remember my mom making a comment when President Obama was elected the first time and she's like, oh my goodness, she, we were so excited, first of all. But she said, I'm just so worried. I don't know if our country can handle 
a black president because there's so much racism. And I was in this super white bubble. And I was like, mom, like, I think people are really excited about, like he got elected. Like that means that people are ready for this. And she's like, they're not ready. And I was really shocked by her reaction. And I was just taking this as like, this is a sign we're ready. And she's like, I don't think we are. And now like, we've seen like, my mom is such an Obama fan. She has like pictures of him framed around the house and stuff. It's kind of hilarious. And it's Uh like, there was so many of us who were ready and we've seen so many people now that are not ready and they are not ready. Yeah. And they continue to not be ready and they make active choices to not be ready. And so I think that really sitting with that fact that it is a fact that there's two Americas and what does that mean for everyone? What's the responsibility for everyone to manage that reality? An example that you shared with me when you submitted to be on the show, you gave an example about the inner conflict that you experience when your black sons are playing innocently with police cars. And I think this is a great yeah. example of both Americas. So if my kid, which happened many times between the age of like two and five, yeah. was playing with little police cars on the floor and like making sirens go and like doing all of this pretend little police stuff. There's a big difference between your child doing this and my child. And so because, and the conversations that would come out of that experience. And so what do you want white parents to know about the way you see the world as a black mom raising black sons, even when it comes down to play like that at an early age? Exactly. Like I mentioned earlier, it's kind of heavy. And I had to ask my mom, like how, and aunts, you know, raising black sons, like how did they get through this without you know, crying on it, like just, just being utterly broken. Yes. (laughs) Because, you know, it's so much worry. Like, you know, my son is getting taller, like I said, and I just, you know, when they're playing and things, it's just an instant thought. It wasn't even something I had to just dwell on. It was just an instant thought because I grew up with males being mistreated by the police with no reason. You know, I lived We grew up in the inner city close to a suburb and I went to school in the suburbs. I watched my dad get pulled over by the cops every single day in one week for no reason. You know, I was probably in the sixth grade at the time. It was just kind of like a harassment thing. But it's just, you know, the interaction with the cops, with the black men are different than what may happen with white young boys growing up. Different and constant, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, even if we tell them, as we've seen in so many circumstances like George Floyd, if we tell them, you know, put your hands. Well, I know it's called the talk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if that's just like a formal name, but all mothers have the talk with sons when they become driving age. or You know, if you get pulled over by the cops put your hands on the wheel. So they won't think you're grabbing anything. But we've seen in many circumstances, you know, and it's a whole feel about, you know, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But we've seen how when we've done the right thing, sometimes it still is not, it leaves us dead with another hashtag mark. Mm -hmm. So when my sons are playing with cars or, you know, they're running down the sidewalk, chasing after the sirens, It's just instantly in my head because I know their joy and love for the police at this stage is going to fade because the realities of how they're targeted unfairly and what I have to prepare them for is just, it's not going to have that same joy as, oh, they're here for us. They're our saviors. Protectors. Yeah. So when they're playing with these cars, it's like the instant thought that came in my head was, man, when and how am I going to tell them the reality of how they are targets and how to quote unquote cooperate with the police? It's just something that white moms don't have to think about Yeah, because they get a lot of, they get treated with more dignity and the police kind of like you know, the questions are asked later if they're even asked at all. I don't even allow my kids to play with toy guns because of how I was raised up. And we've seen incidents with like Tamir Rice playing with a toy gun and things of that nature. It's just different. It's just, that's the part of the other America that, you know, I'm not a male, but I grew up with males around me Mm -hmm. and my dad and I've seen it. 
And I'm familiar with all the stories that didn't get publicized, that didn't get media attention, that that was just a part of our everyday lives, our conversations of, yeah, this happened and Mm -hmm. this happened. And it's like, okay, it's just added stress. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I want to point out when you mentioned that your dad got pulled over every day and over the course of a week, my white gasp. (laughs) And the reason I'm pointing it out is because first of all, that's like, it's a white fragility and white privilege response to gasp when a black person shares that this happened in their life. And the fact that this was normal to you. And I am like, my breath is taken away as a white woman is speaks again to this like reality of two Americas. I also want to encourage people who are listening to like not gasp when someone shares their life lived experience. <laughs> well, it's okay and to be shocked. And that's right. That's right. And there's like, aware. Yeah. exactly. And you know, it's interesting. I follow a lot of race educators online and they are so generous and they're constant reminders that like the things that surprise a white parent don't surprise a black parent. Like or a black family, probably not even you as a black little girl to be like, yeah, I mean, that dad got pulled over again. And this is horrifying to me as a 46 year old woman. And these are things yeah. that are not surprising to, cause again, the two Americas. So I so appreciate you. I appreciate your response, but I also wanted to acknowledge like my response being, it was my natural response. And also there's a level of it that's inappropriate and just gross. <laughs> kind of showing. So I want to point that out as well. <laughs> But then again, see, that goes back to the awareness, I think. Like, if you're not aware of it, like, yeah, that's shocking. And I feel like we need to be aware of these things. And it seems like now with social media or like all Mm -hmm. these videos being posted, that people are becoming more aware of what we've already been aware. Yeah. The things that are not shocking to you. Like, we're... Yeah. <laughs> it's new. It's new to the 46-year-old white lady. Like, yeah, welcome to my life. I mean, and we're talking about it with levity here and it's not, not a light topic, but yeah. I think that this is like we have to start here. It's scary. And you know, and then yeah. having a husband, you know, like every time and this is I don't know if this is what is this feeling, but every time, even for me, and I'm not even a male, because it's been instances with black females um not being treated fairly I would say by the cops pulled over but you know my heart every time a cop is behind me or around Mm -hmm. me like I kind of like stop breathing a little bit yeah (laughs) like I do yeah and you know my husband told me the other day he got pulled over you know I was just so nervous because Mm. it could have been the same situation like he couldn't have I'm thankful that he made it home it's that serious like I'm just thankful you know that he made it home because a situation like we've been exposed to on the media as of late, it turns, it can turn left without rhyme or reason. So fast. I recently have, my son's school is pretty close to our house and I've gone to pick him up a few times without grabbing my wallet. And so I'll just hop in the car. I'm like, I'm driving just a few blocks. Like I don't need my wallet. And I've had (laughs) this, I've caught myself thinking, if I, it's because I'm a white person that I can do that. Like if I get caught without my ID on me, it's not that big of a deal. Like I'm not going to, like, I might have a fine or I might like, it it might be problematic. It might cost me Mm -hmm. some money, but the risk to me as a white woman being caught without my ID and getting pulled over. Well, first of all, my chances of getting pulled over are going to be lower. And then my chances of having consequences for not having my ID on me and just being able to kind of talk my way out of it. Like I can blow this off and be like, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Whereas the reality, it would be totally different. If you were your husband left your house without your ID and it would be, and you just gave such a powerful example of that, like the fear around getting pulled over and like having your hands in the right place and being able to access your ID and being able to immediately do everything you could to keep yourself safe and protected in that moment is so different. And I think it's important that we, that white people, white moms listening to this, catch ourselves in those moments to recognize, like, this is something that I can get away with. And having conscientiousness around this. Like I'm not telling people they should go drive without their license, but having no. a level of awareness that like, there's not a lot of risk for me in doing that. And it's, that's not true for everyone. Exactly. And it's like, you know, I want, they're so young and they're, you know, they're smiling and, and they're playing. And it's like, I want to shield them. It's yeah. like on one hand, I want to shield them from the horse. Like, yeah of the world, (laughs) but it's like, I know I will be doing them in the justice and that, that brings awareness back again. So I have to 
teach them in an age-appropriate manner of to get them aware to what may happen or what sometimes happens and how to just the best advice that I could. Because, you know, like I said, you never know how things will go down, but that's the tricky part, finding a balance of how to do it, when to do it, and just not making them like fearful. Like you still want them to keep that that childlike joy, but I think awareness is still appropriate. Like Mm -hmm. you have to tell, I have to tell my son, you know, because he's, like I said, he's tall and now he's, he went to look older than he was, what he is. Mm -hmm. So by him being aware, just hopefully will help a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us what impact you want your debut book to have on families in our last minute or two here? Yes, 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 yes. We... You know, we want young boys, we want them to be empowered. We want families to read this and it's targeted towards young boys, young black boys. And we want them to read this and feel empowered, kind of like an empowerment resource. Like mm-hmm. we want them to be able to have these young boys be raised. This is kind of like a helpful aid to help raise a respectable, confident, and caring man as, you know, they will become, well, hopefully, well, as the job, if, as a mom, if we can raise a respectable, confident and caring man, that's one of the most important things that we can do to change the world as a mom. Absolutely. So, and as you a, know, and like, I was, and that's for all moms, that's, that's for all moms, regardless of which America you're growing up in it. Cause yes. if I can do that with why my white son, he's going to have awareness around both. Yes. And if you're doing that with your black son, then he also is going to hopefully have that confidence to go out and overcome some of the obstacles of both Americas. Exactly. So like we have a lot of weight as moms. (laughs) If we can do that, like if we can do that, we are changing the world. Yeah. I mean, the world does need changing. So, I mean, so hopefully, you know, these young boys growing up, they're on this path to become more respectable, more confident, more caring. And so like when the young boys finish reading the book or when their parents finish reading it with them, we want them to know that they have power within themselves yeah. to empower themselves. Yeah, absolutely. They don't have to rely on someone else to do it. Yeah, because it's teaching them how to do it, it's teaching them how to speak life into themselves mm-hmm. and how to build up their minds. They may not understand what they're doing, but by them doing it now and seeing goals come to fruition, mm-hmm. that's powerful. Can you tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? <laughs> You've given us so several many great ways. examples. Several ways. Okay. So professionally, like I said, I had to adjust. Mm-hmm. But by me adjusting, I'm showing up because I'm still going after the things that I want to do professionally. Mm-hmm. I'm not just, you know, stuck in the past on how things had to go pre-kids, being flexible with the reality of the present and saying, hey, OK, let's change it up a bit because you still have you can still get things done. Let's just get these schedules reorganized and figure it out, <laughs> you know, So um, that's one major way. And self-care, which is mandatory. I have to get that in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, especially at 35 weeks pregnant, very mandatory. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I have to take, it's just necessary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whatever needs to be moved. Okay. Cause mommy has to take care of mommy Mm -hmm. because nothing else is going to get done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think also by me raising or having the uh, me encouraging my children to be independent children, I think that is also allowing me to show up as a shameless mom because they're not so dependent or relying on me for things that they can do at their age right now. They're pro- like they're this- project managers by age six. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> right. You know, like it. they know how to brush their teeth on their own. They don't need mommy in there picking out clothes. You can pick out your clothes. Mm-hmm. You can do this. And I, yeah. you know, and also that had to tie in with how I arranged the house for me to mm-hmm. have that. Because see, this gives me, me more mommy time, more yeah. shameless mom time. Yes. I love it. I want Penny, you to tell everyone where they can find you, connect with you. And also where can they get your book? I am enough. Yes, yes, yes. Please visit our website, thecreepublishing.com. 
That has links to all our social media. We are on Facebook. We are also on Instagram. Facebook is backsplash decrees publishing. Instagram is Penny Decree. Okay. We will have everything linked up in the show notes. So if people go to shamelessmom.com and click on the episode with Penny Decree, they can get everything right there. Penny, oh my goodness. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having this conversation. This is, I know, a conversation that requires a significant amount of emotional labor. So I just want to honor that you showed up and you engaged in a way that isn't, it's not, not the easiest conversation to have. And you were just really generous in your thoughts and words and contributions. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful and also wishing you all the luck in the world with little baby number yeah. three. Thank you. Thank you. And we appreciate the interview. We appreciate our time. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.